Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to Easter at the Local Church. To all my church family who's online, to everyone who's in overflow, thank you for being so patient. The place is crowded. And for all of you who made space, who came to earlier services or coming to later services or watching now online, thank you so much. We believe this is the perfect place for imperfect people. And maybe where you're seated right now, it doesn't feel so perfect because it's just like life. Things don't always go as planned. Nothing is perfect, but, but I can promise you this, the perfect love of God is in this place. And this perfect love of God found in his presence, it can turn your world upside down. Do you believe that? Turn a few people this morning. Let them know your world can be turned upside down. Turn to someone else. Your world can be turned upside down. I truly believe that. That's what this resurrection, that's what Easter is all about. Well, again, welcome. I'm Eric Gamero. I'm one of the pastors here. And for those of you who are guests today, just to avoid all the questions, my last name is Gamero. You're wondering, well, you don't look like a Gamero. That's because mi padre es cubano, mi madre es coreano, y mi esposa es americano. That means, I think in Spanish, that my dad is Cuban, hence my last name. It's a Cuban last name. Uh, my, my mom is Korean, hence my face. This is not a Cuban face. This is a very Korean face, right? And my wife is American, hence my family. Here's a picture of my family. My children don't look like me. It's because of the genetics, I don't know. But how many of you here today, uh, you, you have someone in your family that you love that may not be where you're from, by show of hands. Like three? Come on, this is South Florida. No, no. A lot of us, we have people that that didn't grow up where we grew up or share the same culture or have the same ethnicity or background. And let me tell you, for those of you who raise your hands, you know that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That's not always easy. It's difficult at times. But it's a beautiful thing that can transform you. I mean, it changes the way you see everything in life when you're in a relationship with someone who is different than you. The way that you look at food, the different cuisines that you now have to, you know, sometimes are forced to participate in, uh, the, the culture around you, the, the customs, it helps you to see other people the right way because everyone's made differently. It changes everything about you, even the way that you dress. Now, I know this is true. I've heard it from several people this weekend so far that maybe, may, maybe, your significant other, someone you love, said to you this morning, you're not leaving the house wearing that, are you? That happened to you, don't raise your hand. Happened to me on Friday. Uh, My wife, she's like, it's Easter, it's an important service. Can you wear some khakis? My khakis, I haven't owned khakis in like 25 years. I'm not gonna buy khakis. And and so I'm like, no, of course not. I'm gonna wear what I wanna wear. I'm who I am, woman. And so I wore this outfit and I'm not wearing it today because I looked ridiculous. And so I was like, babe, why didn't you tell me that I looked dumb on Good Friday? She said, because you gave me so much grief about the khakis, I didn't wanna tell you. And so now I'm wearing a shirt that she bought me this Easter Sunday. It's changed the way that I dress. I would never wear plaid, but hence here I am. Thank you, Jessica. Here, probably the biggest thing was the music. Now, I know this may sound strange because of the way I look, the way I dress, and the way I sound, but I grew up listening to gangster rap. 
I'm like West Coast, you know, like OG gangster music. And my wife, she grew up in musical theater. And so it's transformed me. I like, I find myself singing songs from musicals now. It's like, what's happened to me? But, but there is this one specific musical that I really seem to enjoy. It's called Hamilton. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah, it tells of the founding of our country with Alexander Hamilton at the center. And that musical has so many bangers that, that I'm constantly humming and singing sing along to. But at the end of act one, there's this one song called Yorktown. And the song describes the final battle in the Revolutionary War where, where the Americans and their allies, they bring an incredible upset to the oppressive British government and they set themselves free. They win the war. And in the song Yorktown, the chorus continually goes, the world turned upside down. The world turned upside down. And I love that song and I sing that song often, but it also reminds me, there's a lot of things that have happened in our history as civilization that turned the world upside down. And for us as Americans, I mean, this particular, this instance of us experiencing freedom is something that turned our world upside down because it turned our individual worlds upside down. Do you understand that? It's not so much that the world changed, it's our world changed. Because this freedom is personal for us as Americans. I mean, look around the room right now. Go ahead and just take a gander of the people in this room. Red, yellow, black, brown, white. We're all precious in this sight. And we're worshiping this Sunday morning, giving thanks to a God publicly, together, all as one. Do you know that this isn't allowed to happen in a lot of places in the world? And so this freedom for us is personal. It turned the world upside down, what happened with the beginning of America. But perhaps the greatest moment in history that turned the world upside down is what we're celebrating today. It's the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, it turned the world upside down. We, 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 we now split history based off of the resurrection of Jesus. We have before Christ and then we have after his death. There's been billions of people over the course of history who have claimed to be Christ followers. Not only that, it turned the world upside down. This is the greatest book ever published, the number one best-selling book by a long shot. Harry Potter has a very long way to go to catch up with the Holy Bible. Jesus resurrected, his resurrection turned everything in the world upside down. But I understand this this morning, that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter to us. Some of us, we've dressed up real nice today. Some of us, we have all these plans and we're singing all these songs. This resurrection does not matter if it doesn't turn our world upside down. If it doesn't affect our day-to-day -day living. So we talk about how Jesus defeated death, but so many of us, we don't feel alive. The tomb is empty. And if we're honest, a lot of us would say, so am I. What good is this resurrection? What good is Easter for my today? How can this turn my world upside down? I want to talk about that this Easter morning. So I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible or an app, you can follow along on the screens at home or here. Turn your Bible to John chapter 11. I want to take a look at this story about resurrection in John chapter 11. And while you're turning there, I want to give you a brief synopsis of where we're at. 
One of Jesus' best friends named Lazarus has passed away. And so word gets to Jesus. And Jesus is about two miles away from where his friend had passed. But he decides to spend two more days at his location. And I find that a little bit strange and awkward. I mean, that would be like if today... At this service, you had an emergency. You needed someone to go turn off your oven at home or whatever it may be, and you call somebody. You know, like, hey, my, my, my car doesn't work. I broke my leg in the parking lot. I hope that doesn't happen today. I need you to come. And you call your friend who's at Sawgrass Mills, two miles away from here. And they say, okay, cool, I'll be there on Tuesday. What? Doesn't make any sense, right? This is where we find ourselves. Jesus has waited two days, is now taking the two-mile journey back to Bethany to be with Lazarus's two siblings, Mary and Martha. We find it in John 11, starting in verse 17. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles away from the road from Jerusalem, and many people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Lazarus was dead. And Mary's world has been turned upside down, not for the good. Everything that was seemingly important to her has has now lost its importance because her little brother is dead. That's what death does. Death helps us to understand that everything that we once held up, everything that, that we once thought was so important, the loss of someone that we love, it doesn't seem to matter much. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone rises at the last day. But Jesus told her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed that you are the Messiah the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. You know, and I, I looked in, in our overflow, and, and, and I know the numbers online, there are a lot today, because I look across this room, and, and there's so many of us here, we're there for that same reason that, that Martha believes. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We've come today because we believe that he set aside eternity. We believe that he came and he lived and he died and he rose again, that he's our savior and right now he's preparing a place for us in our home called heaven. We believe that and that's why we're here. But the reality is a lot of us today, we're still going through difficulty. I believe in what God's gonna do forever like Martha, but like Martha, many of us were hurting right now. And so what good is a chocolate bunny in light of their pain? A fun Easter egg hunt is not going to take away the hurt that they're experiencing. Their little brother has died. Even more, to to compound the pain upon them. They believe that, that someone could have done something about it. Jesus could have prevented their little brother from passing away so suddenly, but he didn't do it. And so when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, for them, they're like, we we believe that someday, but today there's pain. Continues on verse 28. 
So then Martha returned to Mary and she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher's here. He wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him and Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. We hear the same response. I believe who you are. I believe you are the the, the son of God sent to us to save us. But if only you would have been here, he would not be dead right now. It's the same response. And it's important to know because you need to understand today that if you feel that way, if you feel the the pressure or the pain of, of, of what's happening, you can let God know that. You don't have to keep that in. You can release that to him. He can handle it. He wants to hear your hurts and your pains. But, but what I find interesting is what happens next. Jesus' response to what's going on. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, what does it say? A deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Why would Jesus get angry? I've heard it said many times before that the reason Jesus got angry was because the people didn't believe that he could raise Lazarus from the dead. And I'll admit, if that were me, I would be angry for that very reason. Let me ask, by show of hands, how many of us like driving? Anyone like driving? A lot of people in this service, a lot of you like driving. I figured in South Florida, we don't really drive. We kind of just wait in traffic. I don't like driving. I know it's a harsh word. I hate driving. It's not so much that I hate driving. Let me, let me rephrase that. It's that I don't like people telling me how to drive. Anyone feel that deeply within their soul? I've been married for 14 years. My bride of 14 years knows that I don't like people telling me how to drive, but yet after 14 years, she still tells me how to drive. We're on our anniversary trip, and we've been to this place several times before. I know where I'm going, and my wife says, hey, in a mile, you're going to have to turn right. I know in a mile I'm going to have to turn right. I've been here dozens of times before. If you wanted to drive, you could have clearly driven. But if I'm going to drive, then let me drive. Trust that I know where I'm going. And you see that car that just zoomed by? I saw that car. I was looking in the rearview mirror. I'm aware of all my surroundings. You're saying, just get in the right lane. If I would have turned in the right lane, I would have hit them or cut them off. And this is Orlando. This isn't Hialeah. You just can't do that here, Jessica. Oh, and look. I just missed my exit because you keep on talking and yapping and telling me where to go. I hate it when people tell me how to drive, but I really don't know where I'm going most of the time. (laughs) So I need my wife to tell me where I'm going, but I hate when she tells me how to drive, right? Thank you for the therapy session. If I were Jesus and everyone's telling me, you should have, why didn't you? I would be upset. I would make sarcastic statements like, it's not my fault Lazarus is dead. He stayed with you. I'm just visiting. You should have taken him to the doctor. You should have given him vitamins. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't give little quips like that, does he? That's not the heart of Jesus. He got angry, but the reason he got angry wasn't because they didn't believe that Lazarus could be resurrected by him. He was angry, don't miss this, because they were not created for death. 
We were not created for death. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they were created to live forever in the perfect presence of God. This is why we don't cope well with loss of, of, of life. Because we weren't created to experience or even comprehend it. But then sin entered in. And sin separated us from the perfect presence of God. And now because of sin, death has come. I look around this room and a lot of you look good. You, you, you dressed up. Congratulations if you're single. Get someone's number today. I mean, you, you look really good today. It's the perfect day to do it. But here's the reality, you're still sinners. A lot of you, when people say, you know, Jimmy, you know, Bertrice, those are, I don't know why I said those names. They're really nice people. A lot of people would identify you as being kind and just a really nice person because that's what we think. We think that we're good. We think that we're nice. But to a holy and perfect God, we are imperfect Romans 3.23 tells us that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of God's standard for our life, for God's expectations for our living, which is perfection. None of us are perfect. And then Romans 6.23 tells us, and now the payment, the penalty of our wrongdoing, of our sin, is death. But how many of us know that there's good news this this Easter. This is not about death. This is about resurrection. The wages of sin is death, but listen, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to understand that Jesus did not create us for death. Our sin is what causes death. Our sin is what causes separation. And so what Jesus says, Jesus asked Mary this question. Verse 34, where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, come and see. Where have you placed this dead man? And verse 35 says, then Jesus wept. Now you need to understand, this isn't some sort of introspective irritation. This isn't some beauty pageant type of cry like, oh, tears are flowing and I'm so glad to receive this award. No, this is deep mourning. He's weeping for his friends. I know for a lot of us, this kind of shakes this, this image of Jesus that we grew up believing about in religion. You know, Jesus got angry, and now Jesus is visibly and audibly weeping. Why? Verse 36, the people who are standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. Jesus loved his friend Lazarus. Just like Jesus loves you. He loves you. We weren't created for death, but our sin has separated us from God. And so Jesus was weeping out of love. And I want you to understand this. Even though Jesus was there in creation, even though he holds everything in his hands, spoiler alert, even though he's about to resurrect his friend to new life, He's there mourning. He spent time to weep over his friend and weep with his friends. He understands our pain. He knows our situation and he's present in it. So I want you to write this down. Even though Jesus knows and holds the future, 
He cares about our now. Even though Jesus knows what's happened and knows all of your situation, he cares about your now. When you are hurting, he's hurting with you. When you are crying, he's there crying with you. When you are praying for something, he's praying for you. He cares about you. First Peter 5, 7 says to cast all of your anxieties, cast everything that you care about upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He doesn't skim over the pain. He's right there with you. And so he tells, he tells Mary, show me where, where the dead man is. Take me to the place where, where, where there's a dead place, where there's a dead space. I, I want to be there with you. I believe he's asking us the same thing today. What's broken? What's fractured? What's dead in your life? I want to be there with you. And notice, he doesn't go. He doesn't show up and say, okay, everyone calm down now, all right? I'm here. I'm going to heal him, okay? Why are you crying? Why are you mourning? He, he's in heaven. You're going to see him one day. That's not what Jesus does when he shows up to be in the pain and in the presence. He doesn't say, you don't need to mourn. She was 85. She lived a long, full life. Stop crying. That's so awesome. That's so meta. <laughs> he doesn't say, you're young. You have plenty of opportunities to try to have children later on. Why are you mourning the loss? It was only 11 weeks. He doesn't say that. Some of his followers do. I'm sorry for that, but that's not Jesus. That's not the heart of our Heavenly Father. He says, take me to the dead places in your life. I want to be there. I want to be present with you in those moments. And that's what he's doing for Mary and Martha. And you, just try to wrap your mind around this. He's mourning, he's crying, and they must be wondering, why, Jesus? You could have done something about it. They, they don't understand what's happening. In fact, it continues on in verse 37. Some said, this man, he healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave. Listen, with a stone rolled across its entrance. What does he say in verse 39? He says, roll the stone aside. Jesus told them that. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. How many days? Say louder. He's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. You gotta love Martha. She's so consistent, if nothing. If you know anything about Martha, you know that she was the sister who was more concerned about cleaning the house and being in the presence of God. And here she is, concerned about things that do not matter much. It's gonna smell bad. Of course it is. He's been dead for four days. It's been, the body's been decomposing. It is going to stink. But what's more important? Someone is there that can bring new life to it. It's going to smell. Yes, of course it is. The things in our life that we keep hidden, that are dead, they stink. And to be reminded of them stinks. To be reminded of the hurt and the pain that people cause, of the relationship that didn't work out, of the sin and the shame that you carry, that stinks to be reminded of. And some of us, we'd much rather keep it closed. 
I don't want people to, to see. I don't want people to smell what is dead. If they, if they just knew what was hidden behind in this cave, they wouldn't let me in this church. They wouldn't receive me. He says, no, I want you to roll the stone away. Because Jesus doesn't want us to think about everlasting life in terms of just forever. Did you hear that? Everlasting life is not just about forever. I want you to write this down. Jesus' resurrection is not just for forever. It's for today. It's not just about later, one day. It's about today. It's not just about what we'll experience in heaven. It's how we can experience the power of his resurrection here today. And what may seem impossible in this lifetime, Jesus can resurrect. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until you're with him to experience resurrection. You can experience it today. How? Jesus told them, roll the stone away. They had to do what was natural so that Jesus could do what was supernatural. Mary and Martha had to bring him to the tomb. Show me where, take me there. They had to walk him to where it was. The people had to roll away the stone. They had to do what was natural on their part so that he could do the supernatural that only he could do. And I wonder what he's asking us to roll away today. I wonder what he's teaching us and what he wants us to do about it. What are the dead areas of your life that you need to invite Jesus into? What are the things that you need to roll aside or set aside so that Jesus can resurrect them? Yes, it will stink, but I'll tell you what's more important. It can come back to life. It can be real living. Verse 41, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, I want you to notice this prayer wasn't for him, it was for them. He said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said this out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. I said this out loud for everyone at the 10 a.m. service at the local church at Easter 2022 so they can believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him, let him go. Verse 45, and many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this resurrection happen. What we just read was the resurrection of Lazarus, but today, today's a day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And there's, there's a, a, a major difference in the resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate on this Easter. See, notice a few things. Number one, when, when Lazarus was raised, they had to move the stone. But the Bible says that when the, the, the women and the disciples, they got to the cave, the stone was already rolled away. When Lazarus came forward, he was wrapped in grave clothes. But, but when, when, when the women looked into the tomb, they didn't see a dead body. In fact, they saw the grave clothes neatly folded and laid down perfectly. What's the difference? Jesus wasn't simply resurrected. Jesus is the resurrection. He 
wasn't just raised from the dead. He is raising from the dead. He is the new life. He is the resurrection. And because Jesus is the resurrection, he resurrected Lazarus to new life. And because Jesus is the resurrection, because Jesus is alive, today we can be fully alive. See, none of us are wrapped in grave clothes right now. None of us are laying in a tomb. But too many of us, we're walking around as though we are dead. No emotions, just going through the motions. No hope, no joy. We're saying, well, one day, one day I'll be in eternity. One day all my tears will be gone. But he's the resurrection. He can bring new life today. He can resurrect the dead things in our life today. John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give life abundantly. If we're just existing and we're just waiting for forever, we're, we're not living the life that he's called us to. But today we can. Today, the dead things in our life, today our dead lives can experience resurrection to new life. What would happen if we received that? I mean, just think about that. What about Lazarus? How did he live his life from that day forward? I'll tell you what, he, he lived with freedom. He didn't care about the trivial things in life. Someone didn't like my post on social media. So what? I'm not performing well in my job. Well, that's on me. But you know what? I was literally dead. And now I'm alive. It turned his world upside down. And the way that he saw everything from that moment of resurrection changed completely. The way that he saw death changed completely. I don't have to fear death anymore because I've been resurrected to new life. I don't have to live being afraid because I've already experienced resurrection. I can live life for what's most important. The way that he saw death even was turned upside down. I know there's so many of us today that we fear death. In this room, in the overflow at home, we, we fear death. We're afraid of death because we don't know what happens after death. Did I do enough? Was I good enough? Did I go to church enough? Did I smile when the pastor looked at me in service? I think that must count for something. We're afraid of death because we don't know what comes after death. But I want to let you know, in Christ, death is not final. It's simply a finish line. And when we cross over that finish line, there's celebration. There's hope. There's healing. There's forever life. Nothing will ever be able to snatch that away from you when God gives it to you. But don't forget today that it's not just about forever. It's about today. We can experience resurrection today. He doesn't want you to be afraid today. And that's the final point I want you to understand today. Jesus doesn't just take away our fear of dying. He takes away our fear of living. We don't have to wait until we're old and gray to experience resurrection. We can live with confidence, with hope, with healing today. We can live our life with confidence because of the resurrection that he can bring today. 
Listen, I'm telling you, I'm excited for heaven. I'm excited to be able to eat whatever I want and not have high cholesterol. I'm excited to see all those that I've lost along the way and be reunited with them. But today, I can experience resurrection in my right now. His presence is here. He offers that to us today. I want you to stand to your feet right now as we get ready to conclude. Today is the day. What a day it is. The day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus can be the day that you celebrate the resurrection of the dead things in your life. Listen, as I've been talking, if, if the Spirit of God has been stirring your heart, if your conscience has been, has been convicting you, and you would say, there's something in my life that is dead that I need resurrected today. Or, or maybe you're here, and you would say, and my life feels dead. My life feels empty. And I need a resurrection today. How many of us would say that, that that's, that's where we're at right now? Show of hands, we got some dead things. We feel empty. So many hands across this room. Listen, just like Jesus called Lazarus to come forward, here's what I wanna do right now. I wanna ask you to take a step of faith. If you raised your hand and said, there's something dead in my life that I need to give to Jesus. If you raised your hand and said, my life feels dead, I need to give it to Jesus. Would you just come forward right now? I want to pray for you. You can make your way. Listen, the people there, you can shimmy your way through the aisle. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that God would just lift and resurrect those dead things. All across this room, several hands went up. Would you just take a step of faith right now and come forward? I'll meet you down here. I want to pray with you. We want to pray together with you. We want to release the dead things in our life. Yeah. Come on, all across this room, take a step of faith today. There's some dead things. There's some dead relationships. There's some dead dreams, some dead hopes. I've been dead. I've been walking around like a zombie without any sort of hope for the future. Today, today he can resurrect it. Come forward. I want to pray for you right now. Listen, as, you're, as they're coming forward, we're a family that prays together. Would, church family, would you just extend your hands right now? Because some of these people who are walking forward right now, they're, they're saying, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. My life feels dead. You can come forward. Listen, I don't bite. I promise you. I want to pray for you. Some of these people who've come forward right now, they're coming forward because they're saying, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a time of prayer, of surrender and salvation right now. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to come alongside you all together as a church family. We're going to pray this out loud all together. Amen. And support and celebration. And you can continue to come up right now. Okay? Let's pray this together for those who are surrendering their lives to Jesus. Everyone say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you're my Savior. I believe you came, you lived and died, and you resurrected for me. So I receive your forgiveness, I receive your new life, and I believe that today I'm a new creation. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me from this day forward. Resurrect my life right now. 
I receive it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church, can we just celebrate that hand? You just stand here. Listen, if you're up here or you're in your seat and you prayed that prayer and you meant it, here's the Bible says. The Bible says you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Today, you've been resurrected to new life. We want to give you a booklet to help you. So make sure you connect with, with one of our prayer counselors or go to our Connect Center. We want to help you take some next steps, give you a Bible, and let you know that today you are a new creation. And we want to help you walk with that. But here's what I want you to hear right now. Listen, for those of you who just surrendered your life to Jesus, you're part of a familia forever. And nothing will ever take that away. But I also know this that there, ha there are some people who've stepped forward as well today, that they're carrying something heavy, that they said, Lord, I need to bring what is dead to you, whatever that may be. And so as an eternal family, we're gonna pray for them. So I'm gonna ask you again, would you stretch out your hands to all those who've come up, who, who've brought some dead things to the Lord, and let's just pray for them right now. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for the faith and the courage to step forward to say, Lord, it's yours. You know the hurt, you know the pain that they're experiencing right now, Father? And if that's you, in your own words, even in your mind, would, would you just give that dead thing to him right now? Lord, we give you that broken heart. We give you that broken dream. We give you that dead report. And we pray right now that you would resurrect it that the power that it held in our life would no longer compare to the resurrection power you are pouring upon us right now, Lord. I just pray for your favor and your grace and your healing for those up here, for those in overflow, for those at home, Lord. Would you just release your resurrection right now, that there would be hope, that there would be healing, that we would experience joy, that we would have new life, Jesus. Today, we're grateful for tomorrow. We're grateful for eternity, but Lord, today, you've been made alive, and the resurrected King, he's resurrecting us right now, God. We receive it. We release it to you. We believe it all. Your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all the people of God who believe it said, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.